Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So let's go to Acts chapter 7. Um, Acts chapter 7, verse 23. Remember Stephen has been called to the council. Remember he was a deacon full of wisdom and God's presence and power. They called him to the council because people came to discuss religious questions with him and they were trying to, I would imagine, prove to him that Jesus wasn't who he said he was and this guy blew them away by the Holy Spirit. They just couldn't resist his words. His words were overwhelming and too powerful. He angered them. He knew the scriptures. They called him before the Jewish high council. It's called the Sanhedrin. And he begins to tell them a story of the Jews. I brought this up last week. Why is that so important? Well, it's the history of your faith. Don't ever think, oh man, I'm just going to I'm just going to read the New Testament and understand it all. You're only getting part of the story if you don't look back into your spiritual legacy, which began in the Old Testament with, in the beginning God. All right? My favorite words in the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If you've gotten stuck in Leviticus, you hear me joke about that. You know, people reading through their Bible, the Spirit of God is on them until they get to Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy and they give up. That's what the one-year Bible is for. The one-year Bible gives you a small dose of that. It gives you the Old Testament. It gives you Psalms and Proverbs, and it gives you New Testament every day. I realize Psalms and Proverbs is in the Old Testament, but it's the Old Testament books beginning with Genesis, and then Psalms and Proverbs, and the New Testament every day. So get into the one-year Bible. If you say, man, I've gotten stuck. I've never read through the Bible. As a believer, you need to read through the Bible so you know what you believe. Is that important? Oh, yeah. In Spanish, there's a saying when, when someone asks you if, you if you speak English or Spanish, they say, me defiendo. I defend myself. Well, you need to be able to defend your faith. I don't mean go into lengthy discussions with people, but understand why you believe what you believe and what, know something about it. I've talked to Christians before, and they, they get themselves in trouble because they'll spout off something, but they don't know any of the background. And that's not to be intimidating to you. It's Hosea 4.6 says, my people perish my people struggle for lack of knowledge a lot of believers they're not dumb they love god but they are ignorant ignorant just means you don't know okay so get into the word that's very very important so acts chapter 7 verse 23 stephen is telling a story so he's educating the sanhedrin on the jewish history and he has a purpose in this check this out so he says one day when moses was 40 years old he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. Remember, Moses had been adopted by Pharaoh's court, the daughter of Pharaoh. He was part of the royal family, but he recognized he was Jewish. And he saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses must have had a temper. Someone say amen. Don't raise your hand if you have a temper. But I'll just tell you right now, naturally, I'm telling you Irish and Spanish and we did a DNA test a few years ago, a little bit of North African in us, but it all mixed up, and I'm not making excuses, but I was born a little bit hot-headed. So I guess Moses went struggled with some of the same stuff. Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Someone say, not good. No, not good. And <laughs> just killed somebody. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. So Moses was already feeling a call of God to rescue the people of Israel. 
That's what we can infer from that. But he, he killed somebody. So that's not good. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you what? Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Uh Uh-oh, you know how people are. When Moses heard that, he fled the country, and he lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. Let's stop right there. There his two sons were born. Let's stop right there. Forty is a big number to the Lord. We ran across that number last night, purpose-driven life. We're going through that in my Bible study, which is for men. Uh, Sorry, ladies, you're not invited to our Bible study. Love you. See you at church. Um, But my Bible study is for men only. Men tend to open up when it's just men. So we realize that God has a plan for the number 40. Numbers are important to God. Why? The day you were born, that's important to God. The years of your life, look at it scripturally. God promises you certain years of life. Numbers are important to God. So we see that the number 40 is important to God. Why? Well, Jesus, he went out and fasted 40 days. Scripture says the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. The Spirit led him out there for that trial. God had a plan. Powerful. Forty days. How long did it rain for Noah's flood? Forty days and forty nights, right? How long was Moses out in the desert? Forty years. Some of you are like, man, I've been going through this struggle forty minutes, and I want up out of it. But look at this. Forty years later, it, it just jumps ahead in the story because he doesn't have time to, to elaborate there. He says, 40 years later in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. Remember, an angel is a messenger of God. Sometimes in Scripture you'll see the angel speaking like he did to the people of Israel. You'll hear the, the angel speaking. But he'll be speaking as if he was the Lord. Well, here's why. Sometimes it's an actual angel. Sometimes it's God who sent himself as a messenger for, for God the Father. That's called a theophany. Someone say theophany. It is a revealing of God himself. Remember when God revealed himself to Abraham? He showed up. God in the flesh must have been a form of Jesus and two angels. That's so interesting. Theophany. T H E O. P-H-A-N-Y. Please tell me later if I spelled that right. I believe, based upon the Greek words for that, theo meaning God, P-H-A-N-Y, having to do with a revealing, a revealing of God, an appearance of God, theophany, T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-Y. You actually asked a question on a Wednesday night. You beat everybody to the punch. Awesome. So this says, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. Read through that. See what you think. It is a messenger of God. It may be God as a messenger of himself, okay? When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he, Because look here. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember Jesus said, God is the God of the living, not the dead. Those folks are alive with God in heaven now. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. That would have been pretty crazy. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. 
I've always wondered exactly what that meant. I've not looked deeply into that. Other religions have tried to copy that. I say, man, this is holy. Take off your shoes. Some people, you go to their houses, they say, take off your shoes. That's just so you don't dirty the carpet. Okay? Leave marks on the floor. But the Lord said, take off, take off your shoes. This is a holy place. It's set apart. He says, look at what the Lord said. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. Do you think God has forgotten about what you're going through? Some of you are going through some junk right now. I have two words for you. One of them is abbreviated. That's life. Jesus said in this world you'll have trouble. But he said, be encouraged. I've overcome. I've overcome the world. So it's not time to give up. Remember the book of Proverbs said, if you faint in the day of trouble or adversity, then your strength is small. <laughs> said if you faint when the going gets tough, then you're a little weak, man. Remember back in the day in the gym, man, we'd go too heavy. I'd say, stop, take it off. Take this weight off me. I'm killing myself. I wasn't ready for that yet. But how many of you know that God will never allow you to go through something that you can't handle? Let me give you my qualifier, that you can't handle with his help. I, I believe people give just part of that many times. Say, well, God's never going to go let you go through anything that you can't handle. Oh, no, he's let me go through stuff I cannot handle on my own. Period. Period. Right now, you may be seeing some stuff. You say, I cannot do this on my own. That is why you're hearing the word. That's why you're tuning into the live stream. You say, I can't, I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this right now. You can with his help. Scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He has given you the power to live right and to make it. He's given you the power to walk through the tough times and come out better. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Scripture says when they were placed into the fire, the king looked up, Nebuchadnezzar, he looked up and he said, hey, didn't we put three people into the fire? He said, man, I see four, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. How did he know that? Man, he was as carnal and as pagan and as wicked and proud as they come, but God even revealed to him and said, this is me. Uh, there's another theophany, a revealing of God before Jesus was born. He said, I see a fourth one walking around in the fire with them, and it looks like the Son of God. Looks like God in the flesh. Capital G. Someone say capital G. Uh-huh. God in the flesh. It says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. He never forgets. I know I started with that a few minutes ago. He never forgets. Ever. He has not forgotten. Mm -mm. He has not forgotten. He says, I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I what? Am sending you back to Egypt. <laughs> He's like, yeah, dun, dun, dun. Like, man, Lord, you know I killed somebody over there 40 years ago. They're going to be mad at me. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Stop. Just because you failed the first time doesn't mean you're going to fail the second time. Maybe the timing was wrong. You ever try to do something in your own strength? Say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it right now. I've seen people, God revealed to them, they, it's time for this man to marry this, or well, that God has revealed to people, this couple's going to get married, they think it's now. I remember when God showed me Jen was to be my wife, I, I didn't tell her that. That would have been weird. Weird Christians do stuff like that. Hey, good to meet you, girl. 
Thus saith the Lord, you're going to be my lady. That's weird Christianity. That's when girls go, no, I'm not. I don't know you, son. I don't know you. God had spoken to me, and I thought, wow, well, how soon is that going to be? It wasn't time yet. It wasn't time. Wasn't the right time. Sometimes the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. I mean, Jonathan and Valeria, did you know Jonathan was her teacher at the academy? I mean, that would have been weird if y'all are like, what? Can you imagine if Jonathan, she's, a, she's his student at the academy. He's like, hey, girl, you know, you know God spoke to me. That would be a little weird. That would have come off weird. He waited till she was of age, and I don't know when God, exactly when God spoke to him about her. But, you know, I think Vali was trying to think about writing him some love letters. I'm, I'm messing with you, Mika. She's like, she's like, that is not me. So once again, I say, right? All jokes aside, I don't think so. All jokes, you don't write poetry, do you, Mia? She's like, no. All jokes aside, the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Okay? Moses said, man, I, I'm feeling a call to deliver these people. And then he killed an Egyptian. Whoops. So after his human failure, God sent him out to the desert to learn some stuff, become humble. Scripture says he was the most humble man on the planet. That sounds crazy. That sounds crazy. Must be true, though, because God met with him. You know when God was dealing with Moses' sister and brother later because they said, we hear from God too? When others said, we hear from God too? God said, when I speak to a prophet or when I speak to people, I speak to him in a dream. He said, but I, when I speak to my servant Moses, I speak to him face to face. Wow. That just gave me chills. The hair on the back of my neck stood up because there's no hair on the top, but there's a little bit. I just, wow. God said, don't mess with him. He's humble enough to be in my presence and by my grace, he is empowered to spend time with me. God chose him. And people go, why, why did God choose him to write, write down the first five books of the Bible under inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Say, doesn't God use uneducated people? Yeah, but God chose to use Moses. He even had training in Egypt. He was, he was trained in Egypt, the greatest empire in the history of the world at that time. God was preparing him to lead God's people out of Egypt, and to write down the Ten Commandments. Isn't that crazy? So God sent that same guy who had failed, and this time around it was going to be success. So God sent back the same man as people had previously rejected when they demanded, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, the messenger of God, God sent Moses to be their ruler. This is interesting. And Savior. Savior is one who saves. Save them from bondage in Egypt. Not save them from hell, but save them from bondage in Egypt. Deliver them. A deliverer. Someone say a deliverer. Wow. Next verse. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt. Someone say out of Egypt. For us, what's Egypt? The past, old lifestyle eating onions and garlic in Pharaoh's palace. <laughs> Scripture says that. They said, man, we miss Egypt. We had onions and garlic and leeks and stuff. I don't, some people like onions, but can you imagine sitting around a campfire just eating onions? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure they had other good stuff too. It's crazy how human nature is. 
You run into a few trials when you serve God, and you go, oh, man, but back then in the good old days, it, you, that was not the good old days. You don't know how you got home. You were sick. You were worried. You were guilty. You were sick. You were worried. You were guilty. You didn't. I mean, let's think. Let's be real today. And everybody's background is different. But can you imagine you said, you, said, uh, uh, you know what? I want to go back to that. I've had people talk to me and they brag about their testimonies. Oh man, we were selling so much dope, man, and we were the baddest. You weren't nothing. You were running from the cops. You were scared like a punk. And people were gunning for you. So no, man, but we, you what? You drank 15 beers in one sitting? Like, that's just, I'm not impressed. You want to impress me? Come from the world and stay walking with God. And people go, it's interesting. And let me share this. God is powerful either way. People have told me before, I said, man, man, you never went to the world. I said, yeah, God, that's staying power. God kept me. But there are those who are in the world, and they should have died in the world. And God's power rescued them. That's the same God. The same God who saved you is the same God who can keep you. You say, man, Scripture says nothing can snatch me out of his hand. Yep, the only one who can push God away is who? That, that's it. Because once you're in his hand, it's for life. <laughs> it's like the mafia, right? You know too much. It should be anyway. Had a man of God years ago. He said, man, I feel like telling people when they leave, when they leave the, the church and stuff, I'm like, you can't leave. You know too much. You know, I don't think you can do that. No, you're not leaving. I said, man, that, would that work? No, <laughs> I didn't dwell on it, but I thought that's a good example. Same God. And look at this. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt. It was a miracle that, you're, that you made it to where you are today. I think most of us in this room should have probably been dead at some point with something. Y'all have walked away from tough surgeries and accidents and car wrecks. It, some of you, I'm telling you right now, did you know Pastor Jen when she was a little girl? She and her mom and her grandmother were in a car, and it, it hydroplaned on water and rolled two and a half times. And here she is today. The enemy saw something special in her life, said, I'm taking her out and her mom. I can't even imagine. Dad Brown's three most important women in his life were in a vehicle that turned over. And here they are. And Mama's still alive. <laughs> Mama is powerful. Jen's, Jen's grandma... I, Man, if I want encouragement, I'm telling you, I, she's high on my list to call. She can talk, and she's smart, and her mind, her mental faculties are all there. She's in her 80s, way up into her 80s, and man, that is a woman of God. She made it through some tough, tough things, and here she is. And then Mom Brown is, is one of the loves of my life, and then Jen. Y'all know I preach about my love for my wife every week. She is my one and only, but wow, God rescued them physically and they're still alive to talk about it god took you out of the world that way god kept me from the world that way say man did you not make any mistakes sin is sin brother sin is sin everybody apart from jesus is destined for hell but by many by means of many wonders and miraculous signs he led you out of egypt just like he led them out of egypt remember that's types and shadows and one day he's going to take you up to heaven in the rapture you keep serving him through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for what? 
40 years. That's a whole other story. It was an 11-day journey, I believe, from Egypt to the Promised Land. They took 40 years. We'll get into that later. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Thousands of years ago, a couple thousand years before Jesus, Moses prophesied, God's going to send a prophet like me from among your own people to rescue you. That's powerful. Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness, when the angel spoke to him at Mount Sinai. Once again, the word angel, interesting translation. Angel just means messenger. And there Moses, what? Received life-giving words to pass on to us. The Ten Commandments, the law, all of that. But our ancestors, talking about the Jewish people, our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return. Oh, does that sound familiar? Return to Egypt. A lot of believers do that. Say, man, times, times got hard, so I just went back to what? Wait, what? Why? That's three W's. Wait, what? Why? Who, what, where, why, right? When? Why would you do that? You're going to run... Away from God through the hard times? No, run to God in the hard times. Scripture says He's the rock of our salvation. He is a strong tower. He's your hope. He's everything you need. Jesus said the wise man, the wise person, right, man or woman, built their house upon what or whom? The rock. Immovable. Scripture says in the book of Hebrews that God has given us an unshakable kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Everything else will, I promise. Marriages, even good marriages are shaken. Families are shaken. Revelation says at some point that everything will be shaken and the islands will disappear, the book of Revelation says. Can you imagine that? That's some high waves. Everything's going to be shaken physically and spiritually. He says also in that text, Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But he's given you a kingdom that's unshakable. Sometimes you, when you're walking through the fire, you go, oh man, I, I'm, just, I'm so shook right now. How are we going to make it? I've, I had my eyes on them. They failed me. I had my eyes on this situation, this job, this person. This person failed me. You know what? My mom told me this years ago. She said, you know what? If people around us were infallible, and close to perfect, then we wouldn't need to set our eyes on Jesus. But God lets us see imperfections in others so we can forgive and grow and be Christ-like, but also so we'll set our eyes on Jesus, like the old song says. Look at this. But our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. No, you don't want to go back there. There's nothing for you there. Nothing there. God's judging the past life. They told Aaron, make us some gods who can lead us, for we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. Why is it that folks, when the leader's gone, sometimes they act crazy? What's that saying? When the cat's away, the mice will play? Say, mom's gone, man, we're going to act up. Man, we're going to watch crazy stuff on Netflix. We're going to eat stuff that she never lets us eat till we're sick. I don't know why it's that way. When the leader leaves, folks are acting crazy sometimes. So they made an idol shaped like a calf, and they sacrificed to it. An idol, man. God had just shooken. That's not a word, grammar majors. Thank you. God had just shooken. I'm going to say it again because you'll never forget it. 
It's have, has, had, shaken, past participle. But God had just shooken Egypt. Now you're really listening. Grammar 101 with Pastor Matt. Egypt was shook to its core. Hailstorms and flies. God judged. And you know, did you know God judged all their major gods? Each, each plague, God was saying, oh, you're in, you're in charge of the flies? I'll send flies and stop them. You're in charge of the weather? I'll take care. You're in charge of the lightning? I'll show you some lightning and hailstorms, and you try and stop them. You're in, you're in charge of the Nile? I'll judge the Nile. He judged everything that was a god to them in Egypt. The Israelites came out with all the wealth, and they still made an idol. Doesn't that sound like humans? Man, God's done so much for me, but I'm not going to put him first anymore. I'm going to go do some other stuff. Mm-mm. Don't forget about the one who loved you first. Never forget about the one who loved you first. Scripture says we respond to his love. He loved us and died for us while we were yet sinners. Our love to his is a responsive love. He loves us and we love him back. So they made an idol shaped like a calf. A calf. What can a calf do for you? It's not even scary. I don't know why they did a calf. I I need to look into that. What is that about? This calf delivered us. It's not even a full-grown cow, man. Okay. And then a cow. Have you ever been around a cow? They're sweet. They're cute. But they're just not that impressive. Can you imagine? Not, not a cow, but a baby cow. And they sacrificed to it and celebrated over this thing that they had made. We, we do similar things. We just don't realize it sometimes. Then God turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven as their gods. Later on, remember when they went to the promised land? Look into that. In the book of the prophets, it is written, Was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings during those 40 years in the wilderness, Israel? God's asking his people a direct question. No, you carried your pagan gods. The shrine of Molech, you know who Molech was? Molech was the god they burned their children to. The star of your god, Rephan, some translations say Remphan, And the images you made to whom? Worship them. So I will send you into exile as far away as Babylon. God deals with his people. Folks say God doesn't punish. Ah, It's semantics. God disciplines, corrects, but I believe God punishes. Parents punish. Parents punish kids that they love. I remember telling my parents, hey, look at them. They get to stay out late and do all kinds of stuff. And dad said, you're loved and you're not going to do that. You ain't going to go do whatever you want. Not in my house. Okay. So they betrayed the Lord, their father. They betrayed the one who rescued them. And he said, I will send you into exile as far away as Babylon. Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan God had shown to whom? Moses. Someone say Moses. All right. Next verse. Years later. Is this verse 45? Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors in battle against the nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory, and it stayed there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. You remember that? David said, Lord, I, man, I want to I build your temple. You want a permanent place here? to set down roots and to show that we're your people. I want to build it. 
Lord, I've, I've found favor with you. Even Nathan the prophet, one of David's top advisors, said, do whatever is on your heart. But it didn't work out that way. But it was Solomon who actually built it. The prophet came back later. Nathan, he told King David, you're not the one that's going to build the temple. You've, been, you, you've shed a lot of blood. You've been in a lot of wars. Your son's going to do it. Solomon built the temple. Crazy, beautiful, one of the most powerful wonders of the ancient world. Gold covering all kinds of stuff. Just stunning. However, the Most High, look at this. God, the Most High, doesn't live in temples made by human hands. We're going to start on this verse next week, hopefully. As the prophet says, what does this say? Heaven is my throne, this is God speaking, and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? You, you, can't, you can't build a temple to God and say this is his permanent, eternal dwelling and resting place. But then somehow now God said, I'm going to place my spirit within you and you will be my resting place. Scripture prophesied, I will live among my people. They will be my people and I will be, be their God. He says in another uh, ancient prophetic scripture, he said, I will write my law upon their hearts. The only way God can write his law upon your hearts is to live inside of you. Because we as humans, that's just hard for us, okay? Any questions tonight? All right, let's pray, if you would, please. We're running out of time. It's amazing. I want to keep going, but Spanish service is coming next. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your grace, your power. I thank you tonight for your promises. You created us. One of the reasons I believe you created us is to fulfill your promise. You're a God who makes promises and keeps them. You're a God who creates covenants and actually deals with his creation through that covenant. What an awesome and amazing God to do that. You set up guidelines and follow them. You set up rules and laws and actually follow them. You're not just changing the rules all the time. You go through the preordained set of rules and guidelines and purpose and design that you set so that you can deal with your people. So there's always a framework and a basis and groundwork for dealing with each other through covenant. Because of that covenant, we can be saved. Would everybody in this house repeat this prayer with me tonight? For those listening as well and watching, repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, cleanse me of my sin. Forgive me, Lord. I cannot do it without you. I believe Jesus died and rose again for me. I thank you, Lord, that I'm saved from my sin and from hell and from my past. I'm free because Jesus, declare it, say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I believe in Jesus' name. Raise your hands tonight. Let me pray over you a blessing, just a special blessing. Father, may your word fall on good ground. It's already out there. I believe your people were receptive tonight, respectful of your word, God. I'm just the messenger. Your word is your word. Scripture says, your word stands forever. Scripture says, you uphold the worlds by the word of your power. Your word is a manifestation of your power. You uphold everything by the word of your power. It's written into the DNA of every living organism, everything you created. Your DNA is found in granite, in rocks, in plants, in animals, in humans. Your DNA is found in the universe. The impossibility 
of your amazing perfection, God, you wrote into everything as a reminder of who you are. Now speak to us and remind us and help us to apply what was spoken tonight. Help us to apply your word. Get into your word. Get into that one-year Bible. Whatever it is, but God, call your people back to prayer as well. The word pushes us to pray. The prayer pushes us back into your word. We believe you. We thank you tonight. We give you glory and honor. We worship you. We can't do without you. We humble ourselves before you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, someone said,